The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, well, here we are back in ready to preview another weekend that does not have a world championship fight. However, it does have an announcement of an upcoming world title fight involving Tyson Fury. And we are ready to talk about his upcoming opponent. I can tell you right now, Rayfield is thrilled. He is absolutely pumped. Jazz, okay, I'm lying. He's pumped in jazz because the Yankee game is on on Thursday night. And so he's been texting me for like the last three hours. Reeves, got to get the podcast done. Yankee game tonight. Yankee, Rayfield, I have other things going on. I got to pick the twins up from school. I got to do some other things. I will get to you before the Yankee game because I know we're living and dying on the Yankees in the postseason playoffs in any event. Glad you're with hey, just us. Be, just because the Yanks are in and the Rays are out, not my problem. I'm, it's not my bitterness over the Rays. It's just I have stuff in the afternoon. I get to you when I can get to you. We accommodate you because you are who you are, Dan Rayfield, our uh, content partner, Fight Freaks Unite Recap Podcast, as well as uh, an insider here with BigFightWeekend.com. All right, so we're ready to get into all of this uh, here today. Thank you for finding us. Social media link. Uh, whether you found us through Dan's Substack, whether you found us on BigFightWeekend.com, thank you again to more and more of you finding us by the thousands, by the thousands and thousands on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, previewing, and then the Fight Freaks Unite recap, and we even have special programming kind of in between at times with fighters and interviews, promoters, etc., uh, trainers, whomever, personalities around the sport, stay on this podcast feed because we've got great content on it. And a lot of you are finding it usually out Friday morning, Friday by midday, depending uh, for the preview. And then the recap off the weekend, usually out late Sunday night into Monday. And Dan always, always wants to make it a point for you folks to understand that you should be following or subscribing because if you are, what are you going to get? Go ahead. Well, I know you get a ding, you get a bell. You get a vibration, you get a light. But I have come to find out through our people on Twitter that you also get a banner, perhaps. So we'll add, we'll add that to the list. <laughs> okay, I was not aware. You mean like the digital banner that says yeah. it's there. It comes across on a, on a horizontal on the phone. I like that, too. Whatever means so now it's a alert. bell, a ding, a banner, a vibration, I'm all a banner. For it. I'm all for it uh, for you to know, hey, there's a new podcast without being prompted any other way, you know, automatically on your phone, on your iPad, on your device that we've got a new one. Um, and hey, we are looking forward to doing the show today. And I will say that we will give forth great effort and we will probably last longer than Liz Truss did as the prime minister of England. Rim shot. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, you, by the way, did have a Twitter poll on uh, less interest of uh, Fury Chisora, which we're going to get into in a second, or Liz Truss's 44-day administration, right? I she believe was... the way I termed it was, which is more pathetic, oh. Fury Chisora 3 or Liz Truss la lasting two months, <laughs> to which I had many Brits remind me it wasn't two months, it was That's only correct. six weeks. My That's bad. Uh, she lasted less time than the Super League, the whole uh, European soccer league. She lasted less yeah, it, time than a multi-course meal sometimes in England. Yes, it, continue. It reminded me of a time when I was a kid. I don't want to date myself. You're, you're like my same age. You remember Correct. there was a time where there was like a pope who had been a pope for a while, and then the pope died, and they put a no pope in, and that pope was the pope for like a month and then died, and then came John Paul II. I, I, was I do remember like something about that. Years. Yes, there was a quick pope. There was Liz, definitely Liz like she's the quick pope. It's like a pit stop pope, or she was the pit stop prime minister here. Uh, Unbelievable. So, so anyway, this is—I mean—it has been a news day on Thursday in England because apparently this had been brewing about the prime minister for the last day or two, 
And it happened on Thursday at the same time of the announcement. Let's get right into it. Where the Tyson Fury Derek Chisora fight is now, do not snicker, Raphael. It is now a reality. As much as he was maybe screwing around on social media back six weeks ago, it's now a reality. That's his next opponent. They not only announced it, they held the press conference on Thursday. Okay, both barrels are full for you. Go ahead. Well, I watched the press conference. Uh, that was entertaining. Uh, listen, I mean, Frank Warren's mic on because, like, for the first two answers, yeah. it's like, can we turn the man's mic on at the press conference? Thank you. Go ahead. I think they did. So it was, uh, you know, uh, Tyson Fury, Chisora, Frank Warren, and uh, Bob Aram from Top Rank was there. Bob actually had to go to the UK for some other uh, situation. So while he was there, he was also able to attend the press conference. In any event, look. This is the most cynical fight that you could think about. December 3rd, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's outdoors in December in England. I saw the press release announcing the fight, and it actually has a note at the bottom uh, reminding potential ticket buyers that this is an outdoor venue, and it's going to be probably winter-like conditions, so make sure to – it sounded like my mother or my grandmother. Make sure you dress appropriately. Bring a jacket. Uh, that's – you know, I might think about that for a great fight, but who wants to sit outside in the bitter cold in December outdoors in London for a fight that is not worthy of our attention? Uh, I mean, yes, it's the heavyweight championship of the world, and that is important, and Tyson Fury is a worthy champion. But I'm sorry, this is not a fight that the public has ever asked for, has wanted. Um, Tyson Fury has already defeated uh, uh, Derek Chisora twice, once by a knockout, once by a dominating decision. Uh, quite a long time ago, and it's not as, you know, when he fought the first time against Chisora, Derek Chisora was undefeated at that time, and he won, and so at that time, it was like sort of a big deal. Fury was undefeated. Obviously, he was on the rise when they fought again a few years later. That was for the European title, kind of a big deal, you know, in uh, Britain, uh, but Fury that time, again, won it easily, and ever since then, it's not like Chisora has gotten better. He's uh, gotten to journeyman status. He's got dozen losses he's you know lost pretty much every time he stepped up he the one time he fought for the heavyweight title back in 2012 against Vitaly Klitschko uh it was a completely one-sided ass kicking uh Chisora didn't win a minute of that fight and it's not like he's done a whole lot since he lost three fights in a row then he had a life and death battle and he split decision win that could have definitely gone either way in his most recent fight earlier this year against Kubrat Pulev who was 41 years old and had uh you know had fought for the title before both against Vladimir Klitschko and against uh, uh, Anthony Joshua. And I'm just not convinced that you get that kind of opportunity off of a life and death battle and a split decision that a lot of people thought you lost against Kubrat Pulev to land the fight with uh, Tyson Fury, the number one heavyweight in boxing. Now, I understand in boxing that guys take interim fights that Tyson Fury is sitting there waiting, thinking he's going to get a chance to fight for the undisputed title against Alexander Usyk in uh, perhaps the first part of 2023 when Usyk is going to come back to the ring. And, uh, you know, I just sat there and I'm watching Frank Warren and Bob Arum talk about the merit of this fight and the gymnastics that they had to go through to explain why it's a good fight. Frank Warren, it was embarrassing, pulls out like the box rec, you know, top rankings and starts going through like, you know, all the guys that were not available and that Derek Chisora was the best guy that they could find. Um, most of the time promoters would look at box rec and tell you it doesn't mean anything, but when it can, when it fits their narrative, it, it's obviously perfectly fine. Um, and it, He's in an optional period. This is an optional fight for Tyson Fury. He could fight uh, a WBC ranked top 15 fighter. And there are other fighters out there that I'm sure would jump at the chance to fight for the heavyweight title. So I just, you know, I don't get the merit of it. Uh, okay. it's, it's extremely disappointing. I mean, I'm, 
I'm resigned to the fact that we see shitty fights in boxing. That's just part of the deal of being a boxing fan. But this one is extremely disappointing because uh, we were promised something much bigger and something much better. And we're getting, it's like we've discussed, you know, you, you think you're going to Morton's and you wind up at Burger King. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe they'll sponsor the show Burger King, but yeah, I agree. It's not the same. Thing. Or but, but um, it, there are reasons why, and you know, this, and we talk about the business of boxing, this, this fight will have interest smaller level. Yes, but it will have interest in England. This fight, look, this fight doesn't have any interest worldwide. It doesn't have any interest in the United States. There aren't going to be, I mean, hardcore boxing fans will watch, but there are people stopping that are casual sports fans or, or big sports fans to watch this. This well, here's is what a Britain thing. It's a Britain thing. And he's affordable, right? He is, that's another key component. Fury can make his money and Chisora costs a lot less. Isn't that a big part he of this? Does. It is. I mean, look, you can tell because when they did the, the Dillian White fight, which was a worthy fight, uh, a top contender, that was Tyson's last fight that took place in April in the United States. That fight was on pay-per-view. This fight is live on regular ESPN+. Plus. It's not pay-per-view. Now, in Britain, it's a BT Sport pay-per-view, so people are going to be asked to pay a surcharge. You know, I would say this, at the very least, at least they've got a halfway decent co-feature, which is the other fight that they announced, uh, which was the uh, fight between Daniel Dubois, who will defend his second-tier WBA belt against Kevin Lorena from South Africa. Not a terrible fight. That's okay. Uh, but again, you sell an event based on the main event. I mean, in a perfect world, it would have been Tyson Fury fighting Daniel Dubois. That's a real fight. Uh, you know, the, it's just disappointing. What can I say? It's like, I'm not going to like rant and rave and like, you know, F you everybody, but it just, it's just like, give me a fucking break. You know, when, when you see the promoters up there trying to do the gymnastics to explain it, as I say, when you're explaining, you're losing. Well, and uh, I'm, I'm with you that uh, there could have been other opponents, but I understand they were trying to, they were trying to make something happen. Do you believe, speculate with me, we've got a lot of time to figure it out, that, I mean, that place was electric for Joshua Usyk, obviously a unified title fight. It was full. There was 60,000 plus there. When, when I'm seeing all of this line up, including wintertime outdoors, this might be one of those where it has 20,000 that are there. I honestly, no, no, unless they be. really discount the tickets, it could be that like that. No, I think it will do more than that just because okay. it's still, I mean, if you're there, it's, it's again, if the tickets are affordable, it's still a night out. It's still, a, it's still fury. It's still a chance to go get liquored up with your people. You know what I mean? So, but you know what? It reminded me of this. I remember a long time ago. Now I live in the Washington DC area, but, but at the time I, I did not live here, but I just remember watching and, and, and hearing about it later when I started to write about boxing and hearing the stories of the fights that took place here in my home area now in the DC area was many years ago. They did when Riddick Bo was the heavyweight champion, they did a big, uh, a big in quote marks. He was champion. They did a fight uh, between him and I believe it was Jesse Ferguson at RFK Stadium. Now, RFK Stadium, which is right in the heart of Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., right by uh, the United States Capitol, is a giant stadium. And I think it holds probably 75,000 people. Right. You know, it used to be the home stadium for the, 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 the Redskins, now the commanders of the NFL. And on that undercard of the co-feature was the, uh, uh, you know, the, the great matchup but forgettable action between Roy Jones and Bernard Hopkins when they fought in their first fight for the uh, vacant IBF middleweight title was the first real step up fight for both guys anyway because because uh, uh you know rock newman who was riddick Bowe's manager who was from the washington area and uh they you know they had a lot of government involvement and a lot of publicity and hype about it and they brought riddick to this uh to this city and he was you know a big time fighter at that time they thought they were gonna do a huge business 
at this at RFK Stadium. And it certainly wasn't in the middle of the winter. And it was a complete disaster. They had they sold basically no tickets and it was just, you wow. know, they either gave them away or it was pretty empty. I mean, they were in this gigantic, gigantic stadium uh, and there was nobody there. It reminds me again, they didn't open up the stadium, but we've talked about my experience of going to what Bob Aram called the decrepit barn, the now defunct, exploded uh, Pontiac Silverdome for the Timothy Bradley fight against Devin Alexander, you know, putting a a fight like that, which was a great, you know, turned out not to be a great fight, but at the time, two undefeated champions unifying the titles, considered one and two in the weight class at 140. And they put this fight with neither guy having any relation to uh, the Detroit area or Michigan, for that matter, in a 90,000 seat stadium. And mm-hmm. instead, they just set up like about 5,000 in like the corner of the end zone. And even that wasn't totally full. So, you know, I can't speak for the the lack of taste for some British fans that may decide to buy tickets for this event. Uh, but I'm telling you, if it's me, if I'm deciding, am I going to go or I'm going to watch on pay-per-view, man, I'd stay at home in the warmth and watch it on TV. If I, instead of going out to the stadium for uh, to sit and freeze my ass off for, you know, several hours. Okay. I'm so depressed about this fight, TJ. It's not, but look, we've been at this. Uh, you and I have done this together, but you and I have been fight fans. You've covered the sport for 20 plus years. We've watched this. This is the very epitome of a stay busy tune up type fight against a name that's over in Britain. And that's all this is. Uh, and uh, obviously he doesn't want to take a large risk. He's going to get a huge payday. Uh, by the way, I'm still laughing at you. You are still laughing at everybody that thought that Tyson Fury was even remotely serious about being retired. He obviously right. ain't retired. He obviously isn't serious about being retired because he can make 20, 30, $40 million fighting fights like this. That's why he won't make that fighting. much money for this. I'm sure right, there's, right. he's making very, very limited, relatively speaking. I found it very funny when he made his remarks at the news conference, when he's sitting on the dais and he was giving uh, Frank Warren credit for, uh, you know, living up to his word because he said that I told Frank I wanted to fight in December and he delivered me the December date. And he said he did after I came out of my brief retirement. So <laughs> the whole thing was a friggin' joke. Uh, all right. Uh, so that on, a, is a, on, a, on a tangential note, yes. by the way, yes, all due respect to my, my good friends at the ring magazine. I've known those guys for years. I've done work for them. They're good people. They love boxing. So I, I respect them and they do Props a great job. Them. Props to Props them. To I've them. read, I've read the ring for 40 years. Continue. But I, I still scratch my head and, and, and sort of pissed off that they vacated the heavyweight title belt of the ring and let the Usyk-Joshua rematch be for the vacant title. And they say it was because Tyson told them that, that he was retiring. And, I mean, they have the option to just wait and see what happens. And anybody with half a brain knew that this was not real. It just wasn't real. And so his now – retirement. His retirement. His retirement. So, okay, you know – Tyson Fury, as far as I'm concerned, he's still the lineal champion of the world. His retirement was bullshit. It lasted for four seconds, and he goes into this fight. He just doesn't happen to have the ring title. So I think the ring title is an important thing, and I, I felt like they handled the situation badly. I'm not trying to rip them. I'm, I'm just being real. I'm just being honest. And I would, Jump if I was, the on, the phone with, if I was on the phone with my boy, Dougie Fisher, I would tell him the same thing. All right. Jump the gun a little bit on that. So that fight is announced. It is set. More on that. Uh, upcoming. All right. Other news. And then I promise we'll get to fight previews in a bit here. Gennady Golovkin will be back, but there's been a decision by both the IBF and the WBA. It looks like it's not going to be Erislandi Laura. Tell us more about uh, Golovkin's next proposed opponent and what you're hearing, Dan. Well, he is the unified champion of the WBA and of the IBF. He, of course, in April prior to his uh, third fight with Canelo, he unified those two titles by going to Japan and scoring a knockout against Rayota Murata to become, in addition to the IBF title that he already had, he also won uh, the WBA belt. <clears throat> and he has mandatory defenses to make. So the 
the WBA, as everybody knows, we've discussed it, is in the process of trying to consolidate those super titles and regular titles. And it's been a slow, agonizing process, but they're making progress. And most of the divisions have been addressed. And middleweight was one of them. So before they gave him the permission to go forward and sanction the undisputed fight that he was having by moving up to fight Canelo Alvarez, they let him know and everybody else know ahead of time, you know, you have our blessing, go, good luck, you know, with Canelo. Uh, when that fight is over, if you uh, are going to, uh, decide what you're going to do. If you come back to middleweight, you have the obligation in your next fight to fight your mandatory, which is Eris Lar, who was the uh, regular champion of the WBA. They had like 120 days to, to fight that fight. And that would be your next opponent. And they laid out all the particulars as far as, uh, you know, the, the logistics of that. Well, after that occurred, the WBA was notified by the IBF that, hey, by the way, Esquivia Falco, uh, won our elimination fight and Triple G was ordered to make that fight, even though he didn't necessarily tell the WBA that. But the point was, he now had two organizations ordering a mandatory at the same time, which you obviously uh, cannot have, uh, you know, three guys in the ring at once. And unless we're talking about a triple threat match in the world wrestling uh, <laughs> entertainment. So they had to decide. And based on the way that the last mandatory was done, when the, when the mandatories for both of those organizations were ordered, the WBA relented and realized okay you're right the ibf is up next so the wba rescinded its order of him having to fight lara agreed to allow them to order the uh triple g versus falco fight you know falco's 30 and 0 with 20 knockouts he won a bron uh, silver medal in the olympics for brazil a very good contender uh had had won a, a pretty clear uh, technical decision over patrice volney uh, back last November on, uh, I believe that was the undercard of uh, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. I was so he say, was now he's fought a couple times in the United States. So yeah, possibly yeah. could fight Golovkin in the United States. So he, so he is, he is the next mandatory and uh, he has to do that fight. And then after that fight, I guess they'll make him do Lara. So, you know, if triple G wants to keep the two belts, it looks like if he's going to fight twice in 2023, it could be a year where he has two mandatory fights. Now, um, Neither fight is a bad fight. I mean, uh, Falcao is a good a quality contender, has Olympic pedigree just like Triple G does, undefeated fighter, earned the opportunity. And in terms of Lara, he's an old warhorse. He's been around forever. He's fought a lot of top guys. Uh, he's a little bit older now, and I think in his later, in his, as he's gotten a bit older, he's made for better fights in terms of entertainment value. So while neither of them are big, huge names, um, if, if that's the year that Triple G would have next year, you know, barring some other opportunity that came up that was a big deal. Like, I'd be okay with him fighting uh, Falcao and Lara if he goes twice next year. If he doesn't, he decides to drop one of the belts or uh, try again at super middleweight or whatever he wants to do or retire or whatever the case may be. You know, that's also good. Uh, but I'm glad to see that at least there's dialogue and communication between the sanctioning bodies. They sometimes conflict with each other. Uh, the WBA has oftentimes been difficult to work with as it relates to the other organizations, but it seems like uh, Daryl Peoples, who is the president of the IBF and and uh, Gilberto Mendoza are of the WBA. They're playing nicely right now. And, and uh, that's what Triple G's got to do if you want. You know, he can do whatever he wants, but this is what he has to do if he wants to maintain the two titles. All right. A few more moments going over the news of the week. And then I promise Mauricio Laura is headlining on DAZN in Mexico. There's also a Showtime prospect card, the Showbox series in Atlantic City on Friday night. We'll touch on all of that in the preview mode. Anything else? of news value, Mighty One, before we move on here on the podcast. What else since we were last here on the recap podcast? Anything else? Well, I, guess the big, I guess the biggest thing since then, since our last uh, time to discuss uh, so-called news of the week, I guess it was just that uh, Frank Warren, although he's been busy getting the uh, Tyson Fury 
Derek Chisora event squared away. He also announced that uh, Zach Parker, the undefeated super middleweight contender, who has twice been left at the altar by Demetrius Andrade, uh, will still fight for that interim uh, super middleweight WBO belt. And instead of it being against Andrade, who's, like I said, dissed him twice, he will now fight his fellow uh, British countryman, John Ryder, who has got a lot of experience and fought a lot of good fighters. They will be fighting for that belt. It'll be November 26th at the O2 in London, uh, BT Sport in the UK. No US TV just yet, but most likely there'll be a stream available on ESPN+. Plus. Not done yet, but it looks like that's where they're headed. And uh, not a bad fight, actually. I mean, it's... Uh, Maybe not the biggest fight in the world, but, you know, it's an up-and-coming guy against a rider who's fought everybody and always given a good effort coming off a very close, uh, some would say controversial, but a still a victory against Daniel Jacobs in his most recent fight. And, uh, you know, I felt bad for Parker because uh, Andre dragged him around for so long that Parker hasn't fought for a year. And uh, now he's finally getting the chance to get back in the ring in a somewhat meaningful fight. Get more active. Get in front of people. That's That would be interesting. Just back to the middleweight thing. Where, when does Jamal Charlo get in the mix for any of this uh, as the WBC middleweight champion? While we're talking about Golovkin fighting again, who's already fought now in September, Charlo hasn't fought this entire calendar year. you got to go back to last summer. So I, I'm curious to know when he will be uh, back in the ring, and maybe we got an Not announcement coming summer. that maybe Actually, it's December. It's the, it's the summer of 2021 since middleweight That's Charlo correct. last summer. That's correct. So is it going to be December? Is it going to be January? What are we waiting on here? Uh, so, I mean, maybe, unless they slip in some surprise, to my understanding, he's not on the schedule for the rest of this year. I mean, Showtime, you know, they might still pull a, another date uh, to do something in December potentially, but I've not heard uh, that come up. It doesn't mean that it's not in the works. I mean, I don't hear, I hear a lot of stuff. I don't hear everything. Um, but uh, part of it is because of the supposed injury from this, you know, that was his back. Uh, he has had some legal things that have been going on, but I don't think it was anything that was going to preclude him from, from fighting. Um, and, you know, it's not just Charlo. It's, it's, it's middleweight Charlo will have had no fights this year and one fight in 2021. Junior middleweight undisputed Charlo will have only had one fight this year. Uh, there are several fighters from all promotions that have only had one fight. Now, some of them are for different reasons. Some of them are by the, the choice of the boxer. Some of them are injury-related, uh, things along those lines. You know, like a Deontay Wilder, for example, he'll have one fight this year that he had last week against Hellenius. That was not because nobody wants to give the guy a fight. That's because he decided after the tough fight with Fury at the end of last year, I'm taking this time off. I'm going to get myself together mentally, physically. I'm going to join myself for a little bit, come back. So for him to have one fight, that was by design. But there's other guys that that I think would like to fight a little bit more often that just haven't been able to get it um, because there are financial considerations they want a certain amount of money but there's x number of dollars in the budget it doesn't jive with what they have available uh and so it doesn't happen look terrence crawford will have fight no times this year his last fight was at the end of last year against uh sean porter errol spence will have only fought one time this year because of all the stuff that's been going on with the trying to make the the uh, crawford fight it, it's not going to happen this year i mean that's not it's uh, not official uh they're they've made progress uh from what i am told and finally the crawford team has agreed to certain points with PBC and they have a copy of the contract, whether they sign it or not, or redline it to death, who the heck knows. But I can tell you this, that fight is now in pencil anyway for a November, uh, for February 4th, which would be the Saturday night during the week before the Super Bowl. In other words, it's a, it's a, it's a Saturday night, uh, one week before the Super Bowl. In other words, there's no NFL to compete with because that's the, they have the two weeks off before, you know, between the conference championships 
And I say because this, the Saturday, previous, just so we so we're clear, the previous couple three weeks, you're full of Saturday NFL games, correct? Playoff games that have 20, 30, 50 million people watching them. Correct. And they but are the Godzilla. Did you want to say Saturday? Saturday the fourth has no NFL. The following Sunday is the Super Bowl. The point is that has traditionally been for a number of years a pretty popular night to do a boxing event. There's even been boxing events at times on the eve of the Super Bowl. But the point for this fight is that that would be a very clear, open weekend where they could get uh, uh, an event going on and some good publicity and some coverage uh, to do that fight. So, you know, I hope they get it done. But if they do, that's now the new days that they have. And since you brought it up, you and I didn't talk about this before the show. Is there no hope that they could get it done in early January where Fox Showtime have had shows and pay-per-views before the NFL playoffs? Or do they just, they can't agree and and it's looking like that date? Um, My understanding is that they would have, they would have liked maybe to do it in February. First of all, they liked the Super Bowl pre-week that's open. Mm -hmm. But also one of the issues that they encountered was they did not have uh, the necessary arena availability in the month of January. So they couldn't, for whatever reason, on the dates that they had in mind, those January dates at places like MGM or T-Mobile Arena were not available. I don't know what set those places off the top of my head, but I was told very specifically by people involved uh, in this event, in this this proposed event, that January was out because of the lack of availability of the venues in Las Vegas. Interesting. Then you got to work it all out because there's other fights. There's other things. Certainly things can get moved around. But I mean, like, for example, in the T-Mobile arena, that's where the Las Vegas Golden Knights play hockey. And so if they have Saturday night hockey games, you can't tell the NHL, hey, uh, you want to move that hockey game? Yeah, they're the primary tenant. Now, if there is a concert or some other event that is commonplace where deals are made and, you know, so far ahead of time that it's not that big of an imposition where where people will work together. Maybe there's a few dollars that get exchanged or considerations and they're able to move the event. That happens all the time, not just at T-Mobile, but at arenas all over the United States. Are you saying, because I once saw Rick Springfield, do not laugh at me with Mrs. Reeves, who's a big fan. You better love somebody. Are you saying that Rick Springfield would not take precedence over Spence? Time out, time out, time out. If you're going to sing me Rick Springfield, you better be singing me Jesse's Girl, not that crap you were just singing. Right, but I mean, he's got several of them. I was singing You Better Love Somebody. No, but Jesse's Girl's like the one song that everybody knows. No, he's got like six or seven of them. I know, but that's the big one. But my point is, I spent like $80 a ticket, Mrs. Reeves and I, 160 bucks, and we went to see Rick Springfield at the MGM Grand. What you're saying is he isn't going to bump Spence Crawford off or any other act, more than likely, but there are certain things that may be in the way that you can't move. I understand. That is correct. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's a UFC. Maybe there's a, like you said, there may be a Knights game. Uh, maybe there's a, I don't that's know if there's some too. other, right. some other thing that's going on. But the, the point is the combination of the lack of January arena availability in Las Vegas combined with the, the, the belief, which I happen to agree with that the Saturday before the Super Bowl, the previous week, not the night before the Super Bowl, but the previous week right. when there is no conference championships that is an ideal date for a big boxing event and keep an eye mr rayfield's giving you a little giving you breadcrumbs giving you hey watch out keep an eye that that might be the date for spence and crawford i will just say as we close out as much as you uh, keep sending me the emoji with the green uh, puke coming out of the little smiley face head on fury chisora i'm saying the same thing that we can't get the spence crawford fight in november or december because they have been talking forever 
to get this done. Uh, so I have the green puke coming out of the emoji. What, what it also means, though, TJ, is this. It means that for the first time in a long time that I can think of anyway, there's no really big mega fight in the last couple of months of the year. The last, you know, the last quarter, let's say, of the mm -hmm. year. I mean, there's some good fights. I'm not saying there's no good fights. I mean, there's no fight I'm more pumped up for than, say, Chocolatito Gonz uh, Gonzalez against uh, Francis Juan Francisco Estrada, for example, the third time. But that's not a fight that moves the masses of the public. For diehards like us, that's a great, great fight. Right. December 3rd. Cannot wait. But there's not that. There is no, like, we were talking about the possibility of a Joshua Fury fight. Or... Uh, the possibility of Crawford and Spence taking place at that time of the year. There is not going to be some other Deontay Wilder fight this year. Canelo Alvarez is not fighting in the fourth quarter. Uh, he just, you know, he had the fight in September and he's not going to come back. There have been other years where he did come back and fight in, in the December timeframe. So most of the biggest names are, are on ice for the rest of the year. There isn't going to be, you know, some other, there isn't Charlo versus whoever Benavides, for example, there's no fight like that to get geared up for. Uh, and it's disappointing. I mean, when the, when the, one of the, you know, again, there's, there's other we good got fights. Zerto, we got Zerto and Bivol coming up in November. We have that, sure, but again, that, the main, the not, mainstream sports fan though, is not into that fight. We are, those yeah. that are listening to this podcast no, are, but yeah. Chocolatito and Estrada, Bivol and, and uh, Zerto, you have, uh, you know, maybe there'll be another Tank Davis fight potentially. I don't buy the fact that there'll be a Garcia fight before the end of this year. If there is, that would obviously change. Uh, the, the concept of what I just said. There's also Progress against Zapata, an excellent fight. I mean, the, the point is there are other good matchups that we're going to see. There, there's just not that big big pay-per-view type extravaganza at the end of the year. I don't count Fury, Chisora, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm going to send you a green emoji puking when we're done with the podcast. So it's just a, just a, you know, it's been a good year. Don't get me wrong. We've seen right. some terrific fights and we've seen, you know, good matchups uh, by and large. But it's just highly unusual for there not to be some like tent pole event in the last, you know, a couple of months of the year. I mean, even, you know, even, uh, you know, we've got Lomachenko coming back. We've got Tiafimo Lopez are coming back. Are you saying the monster in a way, are you saying the monster in a way clobbering Paul Butler in December isn't going to qualify? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. Undisputed, and, and but nothing not wrong with qualify, that fight. Yeah. It's, it's undisputed, but it's, you know, come on. It's not, again, there's, there's interesting fights, but there's not the kind that's going to draw the, the world press the masses of fans who will travel from all over. There is not that level of a, you know, in my in my time of writing about boxing, it would be big fights involving fighters like Floyd or Pacquiao or Oscar De La Hoya or Mike Tyson or, you know, Lennox Lewis or Bernard Hopkins or pick the big names, Canelo Alvarez. Roy Jones. Roy Jones, whoever it is. I mean, that's not there right now. And for this last part of the year, it's uh, it's disappointing. All right, there still will be fights. There still will be action. And, and speaking of that, we have fights this weekend, which we will be discussing as the preview continues. Stay with us. <laughs> We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Back in once more with the not-so-salty Dan Rayfield right now. He's ready for his Yankees in Game 2 with the Houston Astros. So uh, we're getting this podcast knocked out. And again, as I make mention, we're usually here by morning time on Friday, depending on where you are. I know that we do have a lot of audience outside of the continental U.S., outside of North America, that hears us at different times when the podcast is out. Typically, we get this done late Thursday, et cetera. It's out by Friday. It's a weekend preview. Don't forget, we come off the weekend with the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast to recap everything that goes on uh, on the weekend. 
And so to that end, Dan Rayfield, as we come back in here, we do have a couple of fights of interest. Let's begin with the most significant of those, and that is a featherweight contender in Mauricio Laura. He is on the DAZN show in Mexico City in the main event. Again, Laura was to have fought Lee Wood of England uh, in a title fight at 126. Wood is injured. So Laura, here we go with the theme that we were talking about previously, wants to stay active, wants to stay busy. He is in action. Tell us more about this fight for Saturday night. Well, like you said, it's, uh, it's um, a disappointment because he didn't get the chance to fight Lee Wood. They had a, you know, Lee Wood is going to be out. And then Wood, of course, was then uh, ordered once again to fight Leo Santa Cruz. So it wasn't like they could even reschedule in a timely fashion. So he goes home to Mexico where he hasn't fought for a, a little bit for, for a few years. He's going to fight a fighter named Jose San Martin. Um, not exactly the biggest name in the world, but a pretty good record, 33-5-1 with 21 knockouts. Got stopped in one of his losses. But he's won a bunch of fights in a row. His, his last loss came in 2018. He got stopped by the pre-champion uh, Emmanuel Navarrete back at 122 pounds. But he has moved up in weight, and he's on a nice winning streak. He's won about eight fights in a row. And now he's going in with Lara. It's an old-fashioned Mexican uh, battle between countrymen. Uh, and Lara is, you know, a guy that came from obscurity. You know, right now his record is 24-2-1, 17 knockouts, stopped just one time. Um, a younger fighter, only 24 years old. But he came out of obscurity in 2021 when he was the hand-picked opponent for Josh Warrington. Nobody expected anything from this guy. Nobody ever heard of the guy. He went to Warrington's home turf in England. And he didn't just win the fight. He, he beat the shit out of Warrington and knocked him out, dropped him twice, stopped him in the ninth round. Now, Warrington was the IBF champion at the time or prior to that, but he gave up that title because he decided to do that fight instead of take the mandatory. So really, Laura probably should have been had a title, but, you know, it wasn't right. at stake because it had been stripped. So, but it was a great win for him. They did a rematch because uh, Warrington had the, uh, the rematch clause in his contract. They did that rematch later in 2021. And it was shaping up even the brief period of time that that fight lasted as yet another very tough night for Warrington. Uh, but they had a very serious headbutt. Uh, Lara got caught badly over the left eye in round two, and the fight was short-circuited. It was uh, ruled a technical draw, and uh, they have not made a third fight. But he came back. He had one fight since then. He got a, a third-round knockout in March, and now he's coming back against San Martin again because the Lee Wood fight has been canceled. But one thing about Mauricio Lara in the fights I have seen of him since he's become somewhat of a, of a known commodity in the featherweight division is he gives you your money's worth. He comes to fight. He makes a good brawl. He makes a good fight like many of his uh, countrymen. And so he's going home. He's excited to fight back in Mexico. Once again, he's fighting San Martin, who is, uh, you know, again, not a, not a, not a Mexican. He's from Colombia, uh, but he's going to, to Mexico to fight this guy. So I made a mistake when I said he was a Mexican, but he also comes to bring the fire based on his record and based on the types of fights he's had. And so hopefully we get a good little fight. I mean, I'll give Matchroom Boxing credit. They've put on this series of fight cards in Mexico, and most of them produce at least something on the show that's a memorable fight. So hopefully we'll have a, some good action uh, on, this, uh, on this event. It has uh, a couple of undercard fights that have, uh, are somewhat interesting. If you're a diehard, Angel Fierro, the lightweight up-and-comer, uh, he's in the co-feature. He gives your money's worth. And then they, they have a Matchroom prospect who is an undefeated New York kid uh, who's been riddled with injuries, but seems to be finally healthy at junior welterweight, a guy named Rashad Mahdi, who was an excellent amateur and is undefeated as a professional, but he's had injury problems, seems to have cleared that hurdle. And so he's in uh, one of the TV fights on that show also. So as prospects go, I'm interested to see how he looks. He's uh, dropping down a little bit in weight to fight at 140. You throw in Fierro, who usually gives your money's worth. 
and you put in an action guy like Lara in the main event. And again, is it big time mega boxing? No, but as a, as a diversion on a Saturday night where there's not other boxing going on, you know what? Count me in. I'm watching that for sure. Cause, uh, I like those types of matchups. And again, we'll talk more uh, as we plug on our BetUS live show, the boxing show at 1 Eastern time on Friday. You'll be able to see that later on Friday or Saturday, but obviously we're live at 1. Laura is a 9-1 to favorite. You would expect that. The over-under is 6.5 rounds on the 10-round fight, so we'll get more into that. And it's solid. Uh, again, Laura is definitely a world title contender here, just trying to stay busy, stay in action, uh, if he can, and be in the featherweight picture uh, if he is able to, there is one more fight uh, of interest, or at least the fight card of interest. That is the Showbox card backing up on Friday night. Depending on when you're hearing us, this may already be over with. But Isaiah Steen, who has been on the Showbox series at least one other time, and Dan, correct me, at least a couple of times, I think, as a main I event fighter. He's yeah. definitely been on. I just don't know the number of times. But yeah, he's, he's on been the on there. Card. So he's a super middleweight. He's in the main event. Tell me more about what's going on here. It's a prospect show in Atlantic City. Tell me more about Friday night. Well, again, like, you you know, Steen is the is, uh, is the, the, the original main event was called off because of some issues with one of the other fighters. So this was elevated from the co-feature status. But when they elevated Steen from the co-feature to the main event, they also changed his opponent. So he's now and Steen is 16 and always 12 knockouts. He is the half brother of the junior middleweight prospect, Charles Conwell, the 2016 United States Olympian. In any event, he's now fighting the the uh, the veteran Senna Agbeko. Uh, a fighter from Ghana who was fights out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he has been on Showbox in the past. He is 26 and two with 21 knockouts. He's a solid guy. He's a guy that should give Isaiah Steen a test. Uh, he's won three fights in a row. His only his, his loss before that came uh, in 2021. He was matched with an undefeated prospect again on Showbox, Vladimir Shish, uh, Shishkin, who was a promising up and coming guy. Also, uh, Agbeko is the kind of guy that you know have bag will travel. He'll fight whoever. Not, not turning fights down. So as Showbox main events go, you know, it fits the bill. I don't know if I consider Agbeko a prospect. They usually try to match prospects. But the calling card of Showbox as a series, uh, a mantra that uh, Gordon Hall, who is the longtime executive producer of that show, you know, he might as well get a tattoo of that on his body somewhere, uh, is, and it might be a little bit too long, but at least take these guys and match them the toughest they've ever been matched before. And matching Isaiah Steen with Senna Agbeko fits that mantra of taking a kid like Steen and matching him with the toughest opponent that he's had. So as Showbox main events go, you know, I am interested. Uh, I will be checking that out. And, uh, you know, I don't ever miss a Showbox card. You know, it's a, it's a fun series. Uh, it, and it have been very competitive. And I think the number, this is the 21st year of it, the number is over 40 world champions, 4-0. Over 40 of them have appeared at one I time or another on this series. Yeah. It's at least 40. I think, maybe it's, it's, 50 I think it's way over that, actually. Yeah, maybe it is, but it's at least 40. I'm going at least 40. You can go higher. You can go 50. I'm going to date myself, TJ, yeah. and tell you that I was I was in attendance uh, at the very first ever Showbox back in whenever that was, 2000 2001. 2000. 2000 and it was 2001, at the same, right? It was at the Bally's Casino in the ballroom same site that they're doing the show on, on Friday night. How about that? Uh, and I love my man Rayfield is the best because you're weaving in Isaiah Steen's half brother Conwell. You're weaving in that Egbeko, who I really don't know about, is not only from Ghana, but is now Nashville, Tennessee. This is the kind of stuff you get on the big fight Weekend way, preview, and we love you for it. I'm going to drop one other thing, and this Please. is like another thing I just thought of. You, we, we discussed some of the news of the week. It had, this has not been announced. It's not like a done uh, to the point where they've sent out press release and all that, but uh, because you just mentioned Conwell again, uh, I am told by my uh, uh, sources, multiple sources, that Charles Conwell will fight Juan Abreu 
on the undercard as part of the pay-per-view on the night that Regis Progre fights Jose Zapata, which is a pretty solid match. And on top of that, in, adi- in addition to those two fights, no opponent set yet, but we'll also see uh, on that pay-per-view Bakhtir uh, Jalalov, the 2020 super heavyweight gold medal winner. Uh, he will Massive, be on that show. Huge heavyweight. Yes. Listen, Jalalov. it's uh, I'll give I'll give our buddies at Marv Nation Promotions and Legends Boxing who are putting on this event. They're giving their best effort to put on a quality card. I may, you know, we'll see what the final product winds up, but they they put up a lot of money to win that purse bid. And they're they're in my opinion, they're going to get they're giving their best effort to make a, a legitimate show for boxing fans to uh, to buy to, to entice them to buy that pay-per-view. And I wish them luck because uh, I'm very interested in Jalalov as a prospect. Charles Conwell is an excellent young fighter. He's taken a, you know, uh, Abreu is a solid guy, um, you know, always, you know, he may lose, but he usually gives a great effort and he's, he's a, a, a reputable opponent. And of course we have a, a first class main event. So, you know, and there'll probably be another fight or two they'll add to the show. So at the moment, that looks awfully promising. So that fight in a few weeks coming up uh, there between Cepeda, Progre for a portion of the junior welterweight world championship. All right. Uh, I think we are good. Again, Laura in the preview mode. Saturday night, the Showbox series is Friday night. You may already know those results, but we're here previewing it on the weekend. Other than that, I think we're good here to head into the weekend. I know you're ready to root for your Yankees. I'm headed back to Alabama. Yes, I understand my homework assignment is to try to find in Tuscaloosa the Deontay Wilder bronze bomber bronze statue and take a selfie. Let me see if I can make that happen. Alabama plays Mississippi State in college football. I'm broadcasting the game on national radio with your boy, former New York Giant Tiki Barber. He and I are doing the game Saturday night. Then I am am pedaling to Charlotte for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their Sunday. I got a busy football weekend, but I will catch some of the fights. In the meantime, you behave this weekend. You've got your Yankees going on. We got the boxing going on. We're going to write about it in the preview and recap mode on Big Fight Weekend and your Substack. And then we're going to come off the weekend with a Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. Sound good? Sounds good, as usual. All right, have a good weekend. Thank you, Dan Rayfield. We thank you for finding us however you did so. Uh, For now, we say enjoy the weekend. We'll come back with Fight Freaks Unite off the weekend. Make sure you're following or subscribing on this podcast feed. You'll get that recap podcast if you are doing so. For now, we are good on the Big Fight Weekend Preview.